0: Hey, it's Jenny. We're currently gearing up for a brand new season of Womanica. Until then, we're bringing you our favorite episodes featuring villains,
1: troublemakers, magic, and mystery in honor of October. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Edie Allard, managing producer, and I'm so excited to be introducing this best of episode of Womanica. Today's episode was originally part of our August 2019 theme, Villainesses. To tell this woman's story, we're heading back to the 19th century. She was a famous American fraudster who ran a series of Ponzi schemes. Even though this womanikin did some pretty immoral stuff, it's hard not to be kind of fascinated by the story of a woman who managed to scam people out of the equivalent of millions of dollars today. And she did it before more famous men did the same thing, too. Now, here's host Jenny Kaplan to talk about Sarah Howe. The early parts of
0: Sarah Howe's life are a bit of a mystery. She was born in the United States as early as 1820 or as late as 1827. Some sources say she was born in Providence, Rhode Island. Her story really picks up in 1877, when Sarah was living in Boston and working as a fortune teller in the bustling post-Civil War city. The post-war period, especially in the North, was a major era of expansion, industrial development, population growth, and urbanization. It was a time of invention, from the telephone to the light bulb. And in between the creation of those two technologies, Sarah Howe opened the Ladies' Deposit Company. As author Rose Evluth put it, it was a bank run by women for women. Sarah was gonna help her fellow women break into the lucrative world of banking and finance. But the Ladies Deposit Company wasn't exactly on the up and up. The concept was that the Ladies Deposit Company would be a savings bank that only accepted white clients who were unmarried or so-called unprotected females. At the time, that meant any woman who didn't have a husband or legal guardian handling her money. Sarah told potential depositors that the Ladies' Deposit Company was affiliated with the Quaker Charity, looking to help women with modest means. Because these women often didn't have much money, they were typically overlooked by large banks. A bank focused on the needs of poor, single women was in demand. Sarah promised extraordinarily high returns on deposits, at an 8% interest rate per month. New depositors even received three months of interest as a sort of signing bonus to prove the strength of the business model. When skeptics asked how she could possibly afford to do this, Sarah pointed out that the ladies deposit company was less a normal financial institution and more a charitable organization funded by a group of secret Quaker philanthropists. For a time, at least, that seemed like a plausible enough answer. Sarah didn't advertise the bank, but word spread quickly. Soon she was getting deposit checks from single women across the country. According to author Rose Evlith, all told, the ladies' deposit would gather at least $250,000 from 800 women, although historians think far more women were involved. Some estimate that Howe collected more like $500,000, the equivalent of about $13 million today. It seemed too good to be true because, well, it was. In 1880, the Boston Daily Advertiser began running a series of articles to expose the ladies' deposit company. This kind of fraud was a phenomenon that had not been seen before in the U.S. It was a fairly brilliant Ponzi scheme decades before Charles Ponzi's name was attached to the crime. There was no Quaker charity, no secret philanthropists. Sarah simply paid her early customers with the money received from her later customers, and so on. It wasn't built to last. The newspaper articles caused mass panic among depositors and a run on the bank. Nearly three weeks later, Sarah was arrested and charged with multiple counts of fraud. She eventually served three years in prison. When she was released in 1884, Sarah did it all over again. She set up another fraudulent institution called the Women's Bank, which ran the exact same scheme as Sarah's first bank, except that it lowered the promised monthly interest rate from 8% to 7%. She collected another $50,000 in deposits from poor, unwitting women before being exposed once again in 1887. Rather than risking another jail term, Sarah fled Boston before she was indicted. She traveled across the country and set up similar schemes in other cities. In 1888, Sarah returned to Boston and was promptly arrested for fraud. But she was released a few months later because her victims refused to cooperate with the prosecution and participate in the trial. Victims may have felt too much embarrassment and fear of public shame. They were already being publicly shamed for trusting a woman with their money in the first place. After her release, Sarah didn't start any further banks or financial institutions. Instead, she fell back on her earlier career of fortune-telling. She passed away in 1892, at approximately the age of 65. Poor, but still famous enough to get her own obituary in the New York Times. We're taking a break for the weekend, but join us again on Monday for another of our favorite episodes featuring villainy, magic, and mystery. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you on Monday!